This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to start Matthew chapter 18. And just to reflect just a little bit, Peter has made that great proclamation that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the anointed one, that he is the Messiah that they've been looking for for a long, long time, that the prophets have prophesied about, and that he is the Son of God. But in the very next breath almost, Jesus is calling Peter Satan because Jesus had told the disciples that he will be betrayed, that he will die, that he will be buried, but he will rise again on the third day. And then six days later, Peter, James, and John, they're told to come along with Jesus where they're going to witness something that's just totally mind-blowing, and that would be the transfiguration. And this was no movie. There were no special effects because that stuff didn't exist back then. It was literally Jesus going through a metamorphosis because that's what that word transfiguration means in the Greek. His face was shining as bright as the sun and his clothes turned a brilliant white while uh, the these Peter, James, and John, these three disciples, they're, they're watching all this take place. And, and then all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah appear on the scene. Moses representing the law and Elijah representing the prophets. And they're having a conversation with Jesus. And these three guys get to see all this and, and, and how awesome that would have been. And Jesus tells them, once again, uh, he, he says, uh, uh, don't tell anybody about this. And then he's going to tell them about his death. And and while he is telling them about his death and how he's going to be buried and, and he'll rise again on the third day, somebody shows up from the temple wanting some money. They, 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 they wanted to know if Jesus paid taxes to the temple. And of all, pe- all people for this person to come to, it, they, they, they find Peter and they ask Peter if Jesus pays the temple tax. And Jesus already knows the conversation is taking place, so he tells Peter, he says, you know, you're you are a fisherman, Peter, so you, you know how to catch a fish. So go out there into the sea, catch the fish, and the first fish that you fish that you catch, take the coin out of its mouth and pay the temple tax for you and for me. Now, this is just absolute mind blowing stuff that's going on with Jesus and his disciples. You're thinking about all the miracles that we've talked about—a 12-year-old, 12-year-old girl coming from the, de- uh, you know, ra- raising up from the dead, uh, Jesus turning white and his face shining like the sun. All this is is just a, a, a absolutely amazing stuff. And and as I was studying for this podcast and typing these notes and and thinking about the highlights of the last two chapters to set up for Matthew chapter 18, yeah, I got to thinking, man. This stuff is probably not that big of a deal for us today because, first of all, we're 2,000 years removed from it. But if you think about it, we have TVs, we have cinemas, we you know we have the movies, we we have phones, we have computers, we have all these special effects that that, that go on in movies and in videos, and we've seen all kinds of weird stuff, and so we've kind of really grown callous to it as if to question if it's even real or not. 
Now, I remember going to see my grandmother when I was a kid, and and the one thing that she hoarded, the one thing that she kept a ton of was these newspapers, newspaper uh, magazines called the National Enquirer, and I think there was a son there. I don't remember all the names of them, but they, they were all of these magazines who who uh, run these wild and crazy stories, and, and they would put big, bold print on the front to catch people's attention about stories that that weren't even true. A, a lot of them were completely made up, and a lot of them were fabricated. It was what we call today fake news, but but my grandmother just absolutely believed in these magazines and anything that they put in those magazines was the gospel truth it was it it, it happened it, it was real and there was nothing fake about it she absolutely believed everything that was printed in those magazines and she couldn't get enough of it and she had piles and piles of these magazines all over her house um and being a kid, even a, a, a young child and going to see my grandmother and seeing all these magazines uh, at her house and knowing how she felt about them, I, even I knew as a kid, and she's a grown woman, I knew that those stories were, were, were trashed, that, that they, they were not real. And it was easy to know that that, that stuff was fake because... I mean, even the movies, the the videos. Now, I'm old enough to remember when the VCR came out. They had the beta, and then they had the VHS, and those things were ginormous. They were huge when they first come out, and now they don't even exist anymore. We just pull up YouTube or uh, Google Video or or Amazon Video, and you know, watch any video that we want, and just pay a little bit of money if it's not free. Uh, but I, I I remember when when these people have video cameras and they were ginormous they would have to sit on your shoulder uh to record something they were huge and they had these big old microphones on them and so my point is that the special effects and to make a video back then it was a huge ordeal the computers didn't have the capacity to do that they didn't have the memory they didn't have uh you know you couldn't pu- uh, plug in a stick drive and have all kinds of uh, of of a uh, of, uh, um storage space there was no cloud for storage space it it was you know just megabytes and it was just it was awful i'll just put it that way and and technology back then it was good for you know the late 70s and early 80s but it's not anything it was not anything like it is today and so it was easy to tell when something was fake even as a kid but nowadays technology has grown and, and and it is so good that it's hard to tell when somebody has taken a picture or a video and manipulated it in some kind of way and and it would almost take today it would almost take an expert to literally tear apart these videos to tell if it's real or not and and so we 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 see things posted on uh, social media sites, and and we label it as fake news. But when you look at it, it 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 sounds real. It looks real. They've got pictures. They got video. They've manipulated the whole situation to look real. And and just because it's online, just because somebody saw it on a a, a social media uh, site, 
they fall for it hook, line, and sinker, if you will, and they absolutely believe it's 100% true. And I'll give you an example. The company that I work with, I've worked with them for over three years now. We're strong and we're growing. Uh, the, the bakery's growing. The, the warehouse is growing. We're, we've got new products out. We've got new products coming out in the future. But yet somebody posted online that the company that I work for is closing. And, and, and I can't tell you how many people have come up to me while I'm stocking a shelf in one of my stores and they say, why are you closing? I read that you were closing, or I heard that you were closing. What what's going on with your company? And I was like, we're not closing. We're go, we're going strong. We're still continuing to grow, and and there's nothing going on with the company that I work for. But people see it online. They see it on social media, and somebody shares it with a friend or a family member, and the next thing you know, it's all over the world that you know this event has taken place when it's it's fake news but somebody has manipulated a video or a picture or a story to make people think that it's true when it's absolutely 100% false but what gets me is when it comes to the bible when it comes to the word of god people won't believe it they do anything and everything that they can they'll come up with any argument that they can to disprove the Bible and to not believe it. They're like, you're going to try to tell me a man gets swallowed by a big fish? Yeah, because God said it. Jonah. But they won't believe it. Then they'll say, you mean to tell me the sun stood still for a whole complete day longer than what it was supposed to? Yes, because Elijah prayed for it to happen and God allowed it to happen. Think about all the miracles that we've talked about that Jesus worked. People have a hard time believing in these miracles because they've prayed for a miracle. They've seen other people today pray for a miracle. They've prayed for their loved ones to be healed, and it didn't happen. Therefore, we're 2,000 years removed from it. They weren't there, so they're not going to believe it. And then they really have a problem with Jesus. When we say a man has died, was buried in the tomb, come out of that tomb three days later, and he starts appearing to people, showing his hands and his side to people where he had been uh, nailed and his feet had been nailed and his side had been pierced. Uh, then he ascends back to into some place called heaven. And we haven't never seen heaven. Uh, now, there are people who claim to have died and gone to heaven and come back. There's people who have claimed to uh, died and gone to hell and come back. And they wrote about it. But you know what? They want money. They want to sell books. They want to sell movies. Because the Apostle Paul was called up into the third to the third heaven and he said I can't even talk about it I can't even explain it but yet people today just fall for it hook line and sinker when somebody says oh I went to heaven or I went to hell and I come back and I'm, I'm telling you what God wants me to tell you be careful be careful what you believe but let me tell you what you can 100% believe and that is the word of God but I don't understand I I I I just cannot figure people out who would believe false news or, or these manipulated videos that they see on social media that somebody has made on, on a computer they'll you know they make a they make a video of a of a, a UFO or a spaceship going across the sky and it it lands in their backyard at some cornfield and and it's made crop circles and uh, Aunt Jane has been caught up into this ship and she's been microchipped it, they'll they'll believe some crazy story like that but they will not choose 
to believe in the Bible, and they will not choose to believe in Jesus. They argue it up and down one side and the other. Now, thinking about the disciples, you know, they didn't have technology like we have today. They didn't have the one-eyed monster or the TV screen or the computer screen or the phone screen to stare at for hours upon hours. Really, the only manipulation that they had were from people who lied. Uh, there were soothsayers, you know, the fortune tellers, and, and there were demons. And Jesus shows up on the scene, and he starts doing these miracles. you got you got to remember, God has been silent for over 400 years when Jesus shows up. You know, Elijah shows up. I mean, not Elijah, but uh, uh, John the baptizer shows up first, preparing the way for Jesus. Jesus comes along. John says, i got to get out of the way and let Jesus take over. Then Jesus starts preaching and teaching with this uh, you know, amazing authority. It's blowing people's minds. Then he starts working miracles, and it really blows people's minds. And what happens is it becomes a, like a circus. Because if you're if you're an older person and you remember back when the circuses were going around strong, it it was the main event. People would come from all over to the circus because they had these people who had a deformity or they had some abnormality about their their body, about their person, and they would the, the circus would not really mock these people, but they would use these people as a show, and you can come in. And you could pay your nickel or quarter or dime or whatever, and you could walk in and see this person and, and, and see their um, uh, what they the issue they had going on with their with their body. And Jesus shows up on the scene and he starts working these miracles, and it and it's a show for these people. It was it literally it was entertainment. People came from miles around to see this miracle worker, not only to see this miracle worker. But to take part in in his events and in his teachings, and and they would bring their sick to to Jesus, and he would heal them. And so they're seeing blind eyes open. They're they're seeing deaf ears being able to hear again. They're seeing the lame walk. They're seeing people who were dead walking around again. Where Jesus has raised them back to life. They have never witnessed anything like this before, and they could not get enough. Of it, and it wasn't done with special effects. It was done through the power of God. It was real, and so this is why Jesus would have crowds gathering around him everywhere he went. They were he he would travel to another place. He, he and as soon as he would step out of the boat, boom! There's a crowd waiting for him everywhere he went, asking him to meet their needs. And they were there for many of them were there for the show. And so the disciples then, they're, they're seeing this stuff up close and personal. They're seeing it firsthand. They were privy to things that others weren't. Like seeing uh, Peter, James, and John were able to go into the room with Jesus when he raised Jairus' 12-year-old daughter uh, from the dead. Peter, James, and John saw the transfiguration of Jesus when he went through this metamorphosis, when his clothes glue brilliant white and when his face shined like uh, the sun. And, and Jesus would heal people and he would say, don't tell anybody about this. Don't, don't say anything to anybody about this. It's just not time yet. <clears throat> and there was no question to these disciples and to this crowd that came to see Jesus. There was no question to them that what Jesus was doing was real, that Jesus was real, and that he was the Messiah 
which is why they had, especially the disciples, they had a hard time dealing with the concept of Jesus dying. Nobody wants to hear about their loved one dying. That That's painful. It, it causes sorrow. And, and they were full of hope. They just knew that Jesus was going to lead them from the Roman oppression. They didn't want to hear that Jesus was dying because he is the man. He is the Messiah. And they want to be excited. They want to go take on the Romans. And so you can see the, how difficult it would be for the disciples to, to take all this in. And so we can kind of understand because we're just like the disciples. Except they were there firsthand. We're 2,000 years removed from it. And in Matthew chapter 18, we can really see the humanity of the disciples and the struggle that they're having. Uh, after doing all this great stuff and making this great proclamation, the disciples, they get together and they come to Jesus and they have a question. And the question is this. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, we have to keep in mind that these were men, just like you and me. They were just they're humans. Men with different personalities, men with different backgrounds, men who had challenging occupations. And, and there's a lot of, uh, of, of similarities between men and, and women, if you will. But most, if not all, men have two things in common. And that's ego and they are competitive. Now, women can have egos and women are, are very competitive. I, I'm, my daughter plays sports, so... I've seen, you know, I, I know that women can be competitive and have egos, but I'm talking about the disciples in, in, in today's lesson. So I'm just referring to men and their egos and how competitive they are. And I, can, I can't help but think with Peter, James, and John having special privileges that the other nine disciples didn't have, that their heads were getting pretty big during this time and they're starting to compete with one another. So here's why I say this. Peter was given the keys to the kingdom after making the proclamation about Jesus. Peter, James, and John came from the same background. They came from the same occupation. They were both, they were all three commercial fishermen. They were competing for uh, the, the marketplace. They were, they were trying to catch the most fish. They were trying to outdo one another and get to the marketplace so they can sell their fish, so they can have the customers uh, so they can sell their fish and be able to pay their bills and, uh, and and support their family. It's the same thing that we do today in business. We, we compete with one another. If somebody has a similar business, we try to get our, pro our we try to make our product better, and we try to get our product out on the marketplace to convince people to buy our product. Why? Because we want to sell products so we can have money in our pockets, so we can pay our bills and take care of our families. And, and so th there was probably a, a, a little bit of competition and a little bit of ego going on between Peter, James, and John the whole time. I, I mean, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I can kind of see it right here with this question. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Peter's been given the keys to the kingdom. We see this take place in Acts chapter 2 when he stands up and preaches on the day uh, of Pentecost when when. Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit falls on the apostles and he stands up and preaches about Jesus and about 3,000 people are baptized. Well, what does James and John have? They don't have anything. They have some special privileges, but hey, Peter's got the keys to the kingdom. So what do we have? So what do they do? They get, we're going to see this in a couple of chapters, but they, they get their mom 
And I think her name is Salome. I think one of the other gospels tell us her name. It doesn't matter. But they, they, they get their mommy, and, and James and John come with their mommy to Jesus, and their their mommy asks Jesus, uh, Jesus, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. In other words, let my boys sit in, when you, when you have your kingdom, and your kingdom is going strong, Please let my boys sit in the places of honor. Let them have, have the, 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 the honor or the place of prestige. Let, me, let them have uh, the place of power, of honor. And, and, and here's the thing. It, it didn't sit well with the other disciples because the, the, the other ten heard it, including Peter, and they didn't like it. Why? Because of egos and because of their competitive nature. Jesus has been telling them over and over and over again, don't. Don't be examples like the Pharisees. Be better than the Pharisees. Let your righteousness exceed that of the Pharisees. And yet here they are jockeying for position just like the Pharisees do. When Jesus would go and, and eat with some Pharisees in, their, in a home and they would sit in places of honor, but yet somebody would come in that has uh, more honor than they did. And so they would have to get up and go sit somewhere at the foot of the table. And they would have to change seats. Now here are the disciples jockeying for position. Why? Because of egos and competition. And it's easy to see that and, and, and to think, you know, not to be condemning toward the disciples because we're just like them. We, we do the same thing. We have egos and, and, and we compete with one another, even in the church, among brothers and sisters in Christ. And and uh Jesus Let's see, in verses 1 through 6, Matthew writes, about that, about that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and, and, and put the child among them. And he said, I'll tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. So the question is, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And John and uh, James, uh, they, they're thinking, I want to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. My, me and my brother, take care of us. Let us sit at your right hand and your left when you come into your kingdom. But what they don't realize is they're looking face to face at the greatest person who was ever in heaven. And that is God. Because Jesus is God in the flesh. He is the creator of the universe. He is the one who is about to die for the sins of mankind, including these disciples. Who is arguing that who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Yet, this is uh, this answer that Jesus gives them. It, he he doesn't condemn them. He could have run them in the ground and called them a bunch of names and told them how pathetic they are for even thinking like this. But he doesn't. He shows grace. He shows absolute grace, just like he does to us. And he takes. He, you know, when they ask this question, they don't get the answer that they wanted, but they get the answer that they needed. And Jesus takes. A child that was standing close by, he says, come over here. And Jesus takes that child and he begins to answer their question by telling them this. He says, if you want to get to heaven, 
If you want to make it in, boys, then here's what you got to do. You got to turn from your sins and become as little children or you're not going to get in. Well, what's he talking about? He tells us what he's talking about in the very next verse, and that is humility. And this whole chapter is we're going to see over the next, uh, this podcast and over the next two podcasts, this whole chapter is all about humility and humbling ourselves. It's hard to do because we're so full of pride. Um, Think about children. Children haven't been polluted by the world yet. I'm talking about small children, young children. They haven't been polluted by the world and all this stuff that goes on in it. They're innocent and they're teachable. Uh, And by that I mean, just for example, a child doesn't know what racism is. They don't see color. They, they don't see the, the color of a person's skin. They just, they just want somebody to play with. They got a bunch of toys laying around or they're on the playground and they see all these kids playing and they just want to go run and, and, and jump and climb and, and, and do all these things with their little friends on the playground. They're not trying to discern if, if this kid is a boy or if this, this boy identifies as a girl, this girl identifies as a boy. They don't care about all that stuff. They just know that, hey, here's some kids my age, and here's some fun things to do, and I'm going to go and play with my friends. They don't have any concerns about the stock market. They don't care about what's going on in the world. They don't care what celebrity is, is famous now or what they're wearing. They don't care if they have name brand clothes. They All they care about is, hey, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I need to use the bathroom. That's about it when it comes to small children. And, and they go and play with their friends. They're humble and they're teachable. You can go outside with a kid and it can be a clear day, not a cloud in the sky, and it's just that beautiful blue sky. And you can tell that kid that the sky is green or orange or purple or any color. And they'll believe you. You can't convince them that because they're teachable. And, and you know what's going to happen when, when you do that? They're going to say something like, oh, well, cool. And they're going to put their head back down after they've been looking up at the sky and, and, talking about, and, and trying to see what you were talking about. And, and they're just going to put their head back down. Or they're gonna and they're gonna pick up their toy and go right back to playing with their toy or running back out to play with their friends on the playground. They children, small children, they do not have a care in this world except for those that I mentioned. I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, and I gotta use the bathroom. You know, they wanna just be taken care of and they wanna go play with their friends. And you know what I'm talking about because you were young once. I was young once. We we know what that was like. But see, as we get older and we start learning new things, what happens is we begin to form ideas and opinions. Uh, I'll just give you a quick example. I was talking to a guy at one of my stores yesterday who he asked me a question. He says, are you deeply religious? And I said, I'm deeply into Jesus. I follow Jesus. I'm not deeply religious. I'm not, I'm not deep into religion, but I am deep in Jesus. And so he started talking about uh, this organization that he was raised in as a kid. It, it taught him about Jesus. But as he grew older, he started learning about all these other religions, and it got him confused. That, that was his words. It got him confused, and he quit following Jesus. Jesus just kind of disappeared out of the scene. And since he has learned about all these re- different religions, he is now deeply religious right and so i was going to teach him or not teach him but i was going to talk to him about jesus and 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 try to draw him back to jesus but just like the devil always does 
some people come into the store and his attention had to go to the customers and and from the time that i was uh, working his store there were customers so maybe in the weeks to come when i visit his store i'll be able to uh we'll have some time that we can talk and and i can bring him uh bring at least bring jesus back up into his life and give him the opportunity to accept jesus or not but uh my point in telling you that was how as we get older and the world starts having an influence on us and we, we start forming these ideas and these opinions and and, and and as we do that it gets harder and harder for people to um, be converted to Jesus if, if, if you'll let me put it that way um, there's all kinds of statistics out there that prove this and I'm going to use a just a, like a pie chart if you will uh, that, that breaks this down and uh, one of the ones that I looked at said that the ages from 4 to 14 is the biggest percentage where people are converted to Jesus. And that percentage from the ages of 4 to 14 is 85%. The next ages is 15 to 30, and it drops all the way to 10%. So if we don't win somebody to Jesus by the time they're 14... The percentage drops to 10% that they're going to be converted to Jesus between the ages of 15 and 30. And then after 30, I believe the percentage drops all the way down to 1%. That's huge. Why? Why does this happen? Because, like I said, the person is growing older and they're losing their humility. They're learning all this stuff. They're trying to find their own way. They're doing their own thing. And before you know it, Pride is growing rapidly, which is why the Bible condemns pride over and over and over again. And Jesus says if we want to get into heaven, we got to drop our pride and we got to clothe ourselves with humility. Because pride says that I can do it by myself and I don't need anybody's help. But humility says, on the other hand, I'm a sinner and I cannot save myself from my sins. I need a Savior. And Jesus is the Savior. He is the only way to heaven. So if we want to go to heaven, we have to submit ourselves before Jesus, to Jesus. We have to let go of our selfish wants and desires and live for Jesus to be obedient to His will and not our will. And most people can't make that choice. Why? Because of pride. They're not willing to humble themselves and and say, hey, I, I need help, especially men. Because we have egos and we're competitive and we got to try to prove ourselves. Well, we can't make it to heaven on our own. We got to have a Savior and Jesus is his name. This is why Jesus says in Matthew 7 13 and 14 that you can enter into you can enter into God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and the gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Then Jesus adds, to his, when he's going back to his disciples and that conversation he's having with his disciples with this child in their midst, he adds this. He says, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause any of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it'd be better for you for you have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. In other words, you who think you are so wise and that you have all the answers, you who refuse to humble yourselves, be careful how you treat the ones that are humble and are teachable. Because if you lead them away from me, Jesus, 
It would be better for you to have a heavy weight tied to your neck, thrown into the sea, and drowned. That's, that's some heavy stuff right there. Literally some heavy stuff. Why? Because we're selfish people. We're prideful people. We want our way, and we're going to do whatever it takes to get it. I mean, just turn on the news. R- read, the, read Twitter. Uh, look what's going on. People have no regard for another human being. All they care about is themselves, and they're gonna they're gonna uh, do whatever they have to to climb the, the the work ladder, the social ladder, or to get their way. Because we are selfish and we're prideful, we have egos and we're competitive. And what you will not see when you turn on the news or read Twitter or whatever, wherever you get your news, you will not see humility. And if our actions cause a follower of Christ to stumble, not going to turn out very good for the one who was a stumbling block. That's what Jesus said. He also goes on to say in verses 7 through 10, What sorrow awaits the world because it tempts people to sin. Temptations are inevitable. But what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? So if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to enter into eternal life with only one hand or one foot than be thrown into the eternal fire with both of your hands and feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you it's better to for you to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into fire the fire of hell. Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. So I want, I want to leave you with this thought. Learn some humility. Learn some humility. Humility. Look up some scriptures on humility. Look up some scriptures on uh, uh, the word humble. And the best way to do this, you can Google it. Or uh, there's a thing called a Strong's Concordance. It has every word in the Bible. And it has every place that that word is used in the Bible and its meaning. So grab you, Google it, Strong's Concordance. And look the word up, humility, humble. And, and, and learn what it means to be humble. Learn what humility is all about. Because without humility... Is Jesus is standing there with this child, and he's telling his disciples, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, you got to be like this child. you you got to show some humility. you got to learn to be humble. Because Jesus says without humility, we're not getting into heaven. we got to have it. People are trying to find ways to stand out in our world today. They want to, they, they want to stand out and be noticed. Let me, let me tell you how to stand out and be noticed today. It's a great idea, and if you try it, I promise you, you're going to stand out like no no other, and that's to be humble, because showing humility is very unique in today's world. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for sharing the Grind It podcast. Thank you uh, for watching on YouTube and sharing this podcast with your friends and your family, your loved ones, and your coworkers. God bless you. Keep grinding. Thanks for listening to the Grounded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grounded Podcast with a friend. God bless you and remember, keep grinding.